Oren Claff is today's guest here on the Training Business Podcast. Maybe you've not heard of Oren. Well, we're going to change that today. Oren wrote an exciting and ever so slightly controversial book back in 2011. It's called Pitch Anything, and Oren has a new book out this month called Flip the Script. We're going to be giving away three signed copies of this book, signed by Oren, of course, at some point in the very near future, only to subscribers, of course, to the Training Business Podcast. Oren's advice on how to take control in your sales presentations is a masterclass in psychology. And in training and business, psychology is the name of the game. This is episode 55 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, and welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes. I'm the podcast host or the host of this podcast. Today and every single Thursday, we have an episode each week helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. If you're a training business owner just like me, well, this is the show for you. The goal of the show every week is to help people to start, grow, and scale their training business, as I've said, but the the way we do that is either one-to-one episodes or we have a guest on the show, and today is such an episode. Now, before the music, I told you that Oren Claff is today's guest. That's O-R-E-N Claff, K-L-A-F-F. Oren is speaking to us live from LA. Oren has his own training business. He sells his programs for $100,000 plus, and he can do so because as a former investment banker, Oren has a track record raising millions of dollars for businesses. Oren's ideas have changed how I pitch to clients for my training business, so be warned. It's not the kind of sales presentation or pitching training you're used to. It's much, much better than that. Let's introduce you to Oren. Oren, hi. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Shortest welcome in the world. I appreciate it. You're in uh, San Diego this morning. I'm in San Diego this morning. Beautiful, warm. Everybody, come on down. I thought I'd have you on the show. Um, You are a well-known author. I think that's perhaps an understatement. Um, You've written a wildly successful book called Pitch Anything back in 2011. I have it on Audible. Uh, For people who have not read it yet, what are your favorite principles from the book, those which led it to being uh, or becoming a bestseller? Let me save you $11. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Here's what I think most people took away uh, from Pitch Anything and really made them come back and back and back to it and go through it over and over again. Three things. One, people want what they can't have. People chase that which moves away from them, and people only value that which they pay for. People want what they can't have, chase that which moves away from them, and only value that which they pay for. So now, if you can bake that into, as principles, into anything that you're presenting, pitching, selling, partnering with, you'll see conversion go up, you'll see timelines, conversion timelines or sales cycles go down, and you'll see the quality of the sale of the deal in terms of margin and sustainability improve. That's how important those guidelines are. Um, So it sounds to me like the principle of scarcity there. uh, I think Cialdini alluded to that in his work back in the 80s, which is the idea that people want things they can't have or things which are hard to get. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 
so it's an oversimplification of it because these things are layered and how you layer them and structure them makes all the difference. Not to be mean to Cialdini and to Dan Ariely and to Dan Pink. Uh, <laughs> fill in the blank, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, fill in the blank, right? Really? That's amazing, Dan. That's amazing, Cialdini. Uh, so you got 17 college students to like this coffee cup with, uh, um, the flower they painted on it, and they pay seventy-two percent more, seventy-two cents more than the pink coffee cup in which they only put a sticker on. By the way, I'm walking into Oracle to pitch a five million dollar training deal. What am I supposed to do again? <laughs> right. So those are academic principles, mainly tested on college students disconnected from the functional reality of the selling environment of abstract things. So in the same way, people read Pitch Anything in my new book, Flip the Script, and they say, oh, it's a lot game or things like that, right? Go into a conference room, face down a buyer for a $2 million contract, and try and use those principles. Not that they're bad. They are good leading indicators of human behavior, but they aren't pragmatically demonstrated inside of high-stakes selling environments and the people who listen to you and care about the training business and selling abstract, non-concrete, intangible items uh, really struggle. And I'll give you a, a good example. You know, if you think about, have you heard of NLP? And yeah, neuro-linguistic programming, sure. Selling. Okay. First of all, NLP is never, I don't mean mean to all the NLP practitioners out there, but it has never been calibrated, coordinated, or, or taught at any major institution around the world. And I don't mean the University of Phoenix. I mean Yale, Harvard, MIT, uh, uh, Stanford, and you know, Oxford. And That's what, true, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's not corroborated. But let's say it was corroborated. You can't go in and do it. It's too complicated, right? Unless you're some massive practitioner with years of experience. But Joe Bagadonut's sales guy, and that's me, right? I'm not a sales dog. Uh, I, I'm one of the best sales guy. I'm one of the best sales trainers in the world, but I don't spend 90% of my time training you know, to pitch a single thing. Uh, can't do NLP. Like, did I touch him on the left, right shoulder? Did he look up to the left? What does that mean? What stage am I in? <laughs> no short line selling. Uh, you know, are, are, is, re, hold on a second, right? Is, uh, is, is the buyer an ESTJ? And, you know, and is the CEO a TMLP? And how does a TLMP work with an ESTJ? Too damn complicated. Exciting to read about, but not mm. doable. So pitch anything, and the follow-on flip to script, are things, concepts that are doable in high-stakes meetings where you really want, need, uh, and objectively are working hard to get the sale. And what's, uh, what's counterintuitive is the harder you work, the more you commit to the idea that you're a good person, you'll work hard, you'll demonstrate your uh, your your credibility, uh, your track record, you'll give references that you really want the account, you'll do a good job on the account, and you're willing to fight for it, the less likely the account will land in your lap. And so these are like these are these are murder trials in some sense, which are highly counterintuitive. You can't just go in and tell your lawyer, hey. I'm going to go into court. I'm going to turn to the jury. I'm going to tell my truth. Because your lawyer goes, really? You're going to do that? That's awesome. You're going to go to jail for 10 years. 
That's not how it works. Well, on TV it does. Uh, you get some people have a sudden kind of fit of honesty and the, the, you can almost see the kind of Pam to, to forehead moment where the, 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 the attorney's going, I don't believe this person's doing this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, But it's not TV. It's your real life. You're feeding your family. You're trying to buy a, a castle in Ireland. <laughs> how did you know? <laughs> well, we don't. That's what we all want. <laughs> it's true. Here in Southern California... And, I'm, and my wife is going, hey, you know, we need a bigger house because, of course, we're three people, right, in 3,000 square feet. And we need a 6,000 square foot house or a 10,000. But anyway, more is better, apparently. But uh, that's what I tell her. Why don't we just get a castle in Ireland? Be Mark's neighbor. Yeah, of course. And come and visit mine. Absolutely. <laughs> something I'd love to, to dig into a bit more uh, is something called frame control. I really love that because I was listening to an audiobook. Well, your version, of course. And I thought, you know what? That is, that's uh, controversial, but it's really, yeah, it's kind of gutsy, isn't it? The idea that you can somehow, there's a game of psychology involved in terms of dominance. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah. So frame control is very good if you read it. I'll give you a little primer on it here, right? uh, but uh, it is the sense, the notion that two people coming to do a deal, talking about a transaction, talking about some piece of value cannot transact, cannot agree until they have the same lens or the same perspective or the same view on that value, right? So, I mean, that's pretty basic. If, if I'm going to sell you training, a training package, uh, oh, I was just on the phone with a billionaire. This is great, right? A guy introduced me by text. He says, hey, billionaire XYZ, call him John, uh, uh, you know, has an organization. They sell multi-billion dollars of product a year. Uh, I text him. I love pitch anything. I love flip, flip, flip the script. He says to me, we get on the phone, right? And I say, hey, look, uh, happy to come in and train your organization. You've got 15 guys. I'll come in for a day, get you guys ramped up. There's some pre-work. There's some post-work. There's a day together. It's $100,000, right? Uh, and, and so he flips out because they've never bought training before. So his perspective is training you do internally. If Orrin Claff or Mark Hayes comes in for an hour and he makes, Mark makes 5,000 bucks, that's awesome. I mean, who makes $5,000 an hour? Like, you know, billionaires, that's what they make, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 an hour, right? That's a billionaire rate. And his perspective is that's almost $5,000 is almost paying too much for that hour, right? My perspective is we got to prepare for it. We got to fly out there. But you know, the comparative offerings are fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the same product. So my perspective, it's a hundred thousand dollars, right? So clearly, we have two different frames. But a frame is not just the price, right? Otherwise, it'd just be pricing conversations. It's my background. It's my values. It's my belief system. It's my experience. It's my willingness. It's my enthusiasm. It is my ability to deliver. It's my track record. And for the billionaire, right? It's his belief system and it's his ideology and it's his money and it's his experience. So frames contain all those elements. And so unless belief systems, pricing, experience, ideology, desire, all uh, um, match up, you can't get a deal done. Well, those things are too complicated to inventory and list out. So I said, really, a frame is something that packages everything that you are. 
right? It's your lens on something. So unless somebody can see the deal through your lens or your frame, they can't do a deal. And so when, when frames come, the billionaire has his frame and I have my frame and we can't bend our values. We can't bend our belief systems. We can't change what we know to be true. So he either has to look at the deal through my frame or I have to look at it through his. And that's what frame control is. Helping somebody look at a deal through your frame. Frames control each other. And when frames come together, they don't bend, they don't merge, they don't work with each other friendly. One frame becomes the dominant frame. Either either his frame is dominant that this is worth five to $10,000 or your frame is dominant that it's worth uh, you know, $100,000 because there's no middle point between those two. And ultimately, the billionaire uh, with frame control, I was able to get him and his staff through the techniques we're talking about to see the training uh, through my frame. And my frame got control. It's a window through which you see the deal. If you try and convert somebody's belief system, ideas, pricing, experience, spreadsheet, knowledge, language, not going to work. You have to have them. You have they have to see it through your frame, and then they can buy. So in a way, you, you're talk, talking about value perception. If someone, through perhaps a series of kind of breadcrumbs or touch points, you're kind of dropping hints to let someone know this is where I'm going to go with this. You're going to get something, a proposal at this level. Here's why. Before we ever come to price, you realize that this is going to be expensive, but it's going to be worth it. And when it comes to the price conversation you're not going to you know con- contradict me is that is that right not really those are information frames okay okay and i stay away from that because when you get down to the information level you can't win with a buyer right because they're going to collect the facts argue the facts introduce pricing of competitors then you have to explain why competitors aren't actually competitors why they don't do what you do why that's not really value and it's just a whole pricing negotiation which there's room for but so for example when i get to pricing you know, I don't go down that rabbit hole. Here's here's my pricing explanation. Look, Mark, we all know how much this costs, right? It's very simple calculus. It's more than you want to pay and less than we want to charge. That's how much it is, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. It's always the same. Okay. So so look, if you're thinking is it ten or fifteen thousand dollars, it's not. I know lots of people who do something similar at that level, and I'll refer you to them if that's really the range that you need to be in in terms of bookends, right? But it's definitely not more than 100000 right? Uh, and and so if you said, hey, we know we need to spend $250,000 on training, you know, I got to send you over to McKinsey or send you over to, you know, Sanford or, or you know, one of those guys. But when we see exactly what you need, exactly what the scope of work is, the amount of time and energy and people that we put in and you sort of open up the fortune cookie and the price is there, uh, you're going to go, eh, that's about what I thought. I promise you and I commit, it's straight up the middle. No fancy, you know, surprises in pricing. You're just going to go, that's what I thought. If you absolutely have to go, I can't do any more of this conversation until I know a price. A, to me, is kind of weird and it's a red flag. But I, you know, just tell me, I have to know the price before I spend, you know, another 20 minutes together. I go, eh, you know, the bookends are 25 to 75,000 bucks. If, if, you know, if that's 
if you can't land between those numbers, there's no way we can end up together. But let's figure out what you need and we'll make it work. Ultimately, Mark, we never fall apart on price, right? It, it's, it's do you want what we have, right? Because in order for us to give you our service and our product, you, you have to take money from your bank account and put it into our bank account. Like it's functionally how it works. And it has to be the right amount of money. So we'll figure that out. But that's never the problem. Let's figure out if what we have is what you need, if we like each other, if we can work together, and if we can build good things together, you know, uh, training. And if we can do that, we'll get along great and price won't matter. If we can't do that, it doesn't matter what it costs. Sure. You say in pitch anything um, that you've no background in sales and you've described yourself as one of the world's top sales trainers and reading your content, I wouldn't disagree with that. How did you become an expert in pitching methodology to the point where you're, a- you're able to, you know, land on the doorstep of, of significant businesses and convince them that you're the person who's got the, the message to revolutionize and turn around their sales approach? So, absolutely. And I was heading down this road and I got distracted by pricing conversation because I get very That's excited. my fault. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, I take the blame. But so, so I really think if you need to give someone information, you put it in a FedEx pack and you mail it to them or you put it in a zip file and you email it. That's how people get information. They don't need you to get information, right? What they need from you is certainty, that the things you say will happen, A, are the things that they need to have happen, and B, that it really will happen. And that's framing and frame control, right? So, so ultimately, uh, these, are so, these, these business transactions, most people think they're about information, right? What's the Gantt chart? What's the timeline? What's the pricing? What's the scope of work? What are the deliverables? Um, you know, what are the, what are the specific outcomes? What does the contract look like? Right. And that's information-based selling. And it really, when you go that route, which many people do today because buyers really own the process that, that you end up discounting or pricing yourself to the competition. That's true. We agree on that. Right. So, the, the, when I think about frame control and frames, uh, so many times buyers from big companies, you know, they need training, but they come in with the power frame. We're a big company. We can award this contract to you. If you win this, this, this is a huge win for you, right? We're, we're the kingmaker. We tap you on the shoulder with our scepter <laughs> and you are knighted with the contract of some money. Okay. That's the power frame. And so what most salespeople that I meet, and you say, hey, how are you such a good salesman? Because I, I fix really this one thing. That pushes us, the seller, into the neediness frame, right? In which the, the buyer, Microsoft, Oracle, big company X, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Fortune 2000, Global 5000, whatever, right? Is the prize we're trying to win. And so we become the courtesan or the court jester and we juggle and we ride around on a squeaky bicycle and we go, did you like our performance? Right? What do you think? And we nominate them, you know, Simon Cowell to, to, right? And this is why you, lots of times you see buyers will pontificate on the seller's performance or the seller's product when they know nothing about it. And just, so what I encourage salespeople to do is understand the prize frame the prize frame. The money is not the prize that we're trying to win. The buyer has to work to win our 
willingness to train or perform or supply him product and service. So that what we have to unpack here because money is a commodity. You can get it anywhere. You can get it from Oracle. You can get it from Microsoft. You can also come to me and ask for a loan. You can go to Bank of America and ask for a credit card. Money is the lowest form of commodity, more than oil or you know pork and rice, uh, and and it is an absolute commodity. So you should not trade your values, your beliefs, your lifestyle, who you are. You should not trade that for money because you're trading something very, very special, your capability, your values, your experience, your know-how, your you know days of your life to train somebody. You should not trade that for a commodity unless you're getting enough of that commodity. So really, they have the power frame, right? But you need to come in with the prize frame and retrain them on where the value is in the relationship. And the value is not their money or their brand. The value is you and what you can do for them. And so uh, if I if I get a salesperson, you know, who's fairly new and and they basically uh, are supplicating to leads. Oh, hey, Microsoft, really? So, you know, or, or Mark, give me an example of a company that we might be selling to. I don't want to use Microsoft. Okay, let's say, let's say um, you mentioned Bank of America. Let's say we're selling to a pharmaceuticals company. Let's say we've got some training contract from a uh, buyer or one of those. Yeah, yeah. I think you mean Bayer. Bayer. <laughs> Slight transatlantic difference. Hey, hey, Mark, the R is like this. Er. Bur- Bayer. Okay. You know what? I, I condemn you to spend some time in Virginia now so you can learn how to speak American. Um, all right. So, so we're selling to, you know, Bristol Squibb or Bayer or Baxter. Um, so, so we're selling to Bayer and uh, we have a new salesperson and this is what the new salesperson will do. They'll get on the phone or they'll go to a meeting and they'll say, uh, hey, John, at, uh, you know, senior vice president of purchasing for the Eastern coast region at Bayer, uh, you know, for training, uh, what are we, are we HR training? What are we selling? Let's say it's leadership training or arguably, let's say it's sales training. Let's keep things, things simple. Sales training, right? I'm so glad that we got to meet you. You know, we really respect Bayer as an awesome company. I've always wanted to talk to you. I'm, I'm very excited to be talking to you today. I've prepared this great presentation, which I think you, you're going to like. And I know if you pick us to be your HR and sales training, we are going to work harder than any other company out there. You're going to be so happy. And in fact, I, you know, me as your rep, you better reach me anytime. Uh, you know, I work on the weekends. Here's the, here, you know, here's the landline to my grandmother's lake house. If you can't reach me on my mobile, definitely call there. I'll be available. Uh, so, so excited to see. And by the way, I'm going to take you through the presentation. Interrupt me at any time if you have any questions. And um, do you have any, you know, do you have any questions before I get started? Yeah. So you, you sound needy. You sound like you're kind of, uh, you're put, putting yourself down before you've even opened your mouth in the presentation. So while you say, hey, Orin, that's kind of comical and I wouldn't do mm-hmm. that. Yes, you would, or you have. Everybody listening to this has been that person. Maybe they're advanced now. But here's what happens. The higher the stakes go, the more needy we get. So you might say, hey, I'm a professional. I go into these environments. I act like a professional. I don't supplicate. I'm not needy. Wait until the stakes go up. Maybe that Bayer contract is enough commission to uh, let you travel the world 
you know, buy a sailboat and travel the world for two years, which has been your lifelong dream, right? You are going without some framework of understanding power frame and prize frame and neediness and supplicating as the stakes go up, you will behave neatly either consciously or subconsciously. And I'll give you sort of a, a physical example of this. Uh, in San Diego here, we have this uh, bridge called the Coronado Bridge. And this thing is is pretty crazy. It goes from mainland San Diego over the military base, over battleships. It like rises into the sky. You're like above the clouds, right? And you're looking over the edge and there's battleships below you and it arcs over. I guess it's so high so the battleships can, can go under it. Uh, but, you know, it's a regular suicide jumping point, suicide hotlines on it. I'm driving my G-Wagon over mm -hmm. it uh, two weekends ago with my family in it. And for my taste, you're, you're going up this giant Coronado Bay Bridge and you're way up over battleships, up in the sky. For my taste, the retaining wall, it, it seems pretty low, right? Now, I'm sure, you know, if I swing into it with my car, it's going to stop me, bounce me back in the lane. Wouldn't be good. I'm not going to hit the retaining wall. I've never hit a retaining wall in my life. I'm not, you know, it's the middle of the day. I'm paying attention, both hands on the steering wheel, right? Then I started thinking, I'm going 65 miles an hour in traffic, 70 miles an hour over the bridge. If you take away this three-foot, two-and-a-half-foot retain concrete retaining wall, as I'm arcing into the sky on the Coronado Bay Bridge, the stakes go up immensely. I'm going to slow down to three miles an hour, right? I've never hit a retaining wall. I know how to drive stay straight. I'm not going to hit that retaining wall. Take the retaining wall. All, there's nothing between me, you know, and two feet over is, is a half mile plummet to the ocean with my family. Stakes go way up and I start behaving completely differently. So when salespeople get into situations where the stakes are higher for them, they need to have this pitch anything and this flip the script framework to rely on to counter their natural intuition of of uh, protecting their uh, you know um uh, their opportunity does that make sense it does yeah it does absolutely because i'm thinking of um you know most classic sales training and i think you alluded to this in the book uh it's something like this become likable build rapport uh explain features and benefits do a, some kind of close like a trial close and then you you fight like an alley cat back and forth dealing with the, the the person's objections and that is true that is a lot of sales training it's this classic of get into the good books of the prospect uh go through some kind of structured um presentation do some kind of close to see if they're interested and then spend the rest of the afternoon or or the phone call handling those ob objections as best you can praying that someone likes you enough to to give you the next step yeah and so i think today's buyer has changed so significantly that they will own you if that is your process right spent invest four five eight twelve minutes uh discussing cricket or rugby or you know manchester united versus I don't know any other teams. You're doing well. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Chelsea, Ham, Chelsea, 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 Chelsea United. Chelsea. Every team has United after the name. Uh, okay. So, uh, actually, my, my parents grew up in South Africa. So, you know, we only know sort of British, orange, you know, the orange free state rugby. You know, we know know the All Blacks, but, um, and, and uh, every once in a while over here, Manchester United will leak into the news. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, did you see, you know, the Brexit? Did you see the vote? How about the weather in Ireland? Temperate this time of year, you know, Manchester beat the, the da da does. And, and so the reason we do that, 
And if we don't program against it, it's natural because we want people to like us, right? So we have a safe environment to pitch in. When I see that happening, and people investing a lot of time on weather, sports, politics, uh, Jewish geography, getting into you know comparing who we know and everything like that. Uh, it, it's good to do a little bit of relatedness, but when I see it go for more than two minutes, what I realize is they don't really have a pitch they're confident in. It's not a piece of performance art that they that they know will be meaningful to the buyer. So, for example, when I go in and pitch companies, the objective, and I hit this very frequently, right, is like, oh my god, that was a, like. Can, can you hold on a second? I want to go get our CEO. Can you do that again? Right? As if that was something valuable. Right? I'm pitching them our services and our products. And they're going, can you do that again? I want to go get our CEO. He's got to see this. Right? That's a piece of performance that your pitch is. So I don't have to. So this is how I would start, for example. Hey, um, looks like it's 10.02. Uh, oh, hey guys, welcome. Come on in. Are you here for the 1002 meeting? Look, <laughs> I don't know if I'm smart or if I'm lucky, but we're super busy this time of year. Prepared a presentation for you. It's about 15 minutes long, right? I see you have some stragglers coming in. Why don't we let them get caught up and start on time? All right, you can get them caught up. Uh, so my suggestion is uh, I'll walk you through the big idea, the problem we address, how we do it, our solution, what it is, how it works, value proposition, ROI, assumptions, pro forma, you know, all the things you get, a Gantt chart, training, the costs. So I'll walk you through that pretty quickly. And then in context of what we have, I'll give you some time to talk a little bit about yourselves and, and see if our circles overlap and if it makes sense to go forward or, or, or it's just hail fellow well met and we keep each other's name in the Rolodex. Uh, does anybody need fluids in or out? If not, let's get started. Right, right. A really kind of... Um I'm I'm your equal here. I'm not going to come come in and, and be all needy and obsequious. In both my books, chapter two is about status, and I approach it from two different angles in both books. If the buyer feels that they are superior to you, have power over you, right? Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You will see that, right? Uh, so if they don't perceive that you're a peer. You're an industry insider, that you are at their level in your organization versus their organization, then many problems happen, right? You are, uh, again, you're, you will act needy, whether you do it consciously or subconsciously or just forced into it. You, that, so we have to make the frame, I'm your peer. The thing I have is very valuable, right? Which is me, the training, the ideas, the experience, the know-how. Right? And literally, like when I go and train somebody, I tell the billionaire, I'm going to come in right, and give you a day of training that's going to make you, and I know this because this happened at the last five organizations I was at, a million additional dollars in the next 45 days. Right? Uh, if you guys – I'm not – right? If you guys you follow the instruction, and, and so I don't have your problem. I am good at sales. I'm good at communication. We convert, you know, out of, if we get three leads, we convert two of them. I don't have the problems you have. So if we go away, you, you know, separate this call and we go, hey, we couldn't figure it out. We don't like each other. We can't figure it out. The price doesn't work. You will still have your problem and I won't. So I'm going to invest some of my time to show you how to get rid of your problem using the experience that I have. Now, I know that sounds very aggressive, right? That's a frame. 
Now, you're going to have to find the right words to communicate that. And you certainly can help people do that. You, you don't want to yell at your prospects. You don't want to come in sort of – by the way, I use these exact words, but I've been doing this for a long time, right? And it's part, it's, it's, it's part of my performance. Um, but the frame is that, that you are the prize that the buyer has to win. And when you can communicate that in your presentation, you can have higher conversion, shorter sales cycles, better quality deals. If that makes any sense to you, it does. Yeah, it does. It's it's um, and I thought um, I think I read a few comments that uh, other listeners or readers had read or left uh, having read the book. And oh, like uh, Orenclaff is a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> no, there's no, one no. comment on there. There's one review. I didn't read the book, but in high school he punched me. Uh, and something, something. Why does Amazon let these reviews get one star? I didn't read the book, but in high school, he punched me. I wasn't going to mention that one, Oren, but um, seeing as you have now, let's let's name that person. But I think I think the, the the comment was that something someone said it was controversial, but that they tried it and and in a way they felt more confident because it's a kind of dynamic, isn't it? You 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 come in and I've been there. We've all been there, and you feel that you should be grateful that someone's asked you to come in and pitch. You should be grateful that someone's interested in your training organization. You should be grateful that you're not one of the ones who was told to go away. You're here today. And by the way, can you dance? So you feel like a court jester. And the number of times I felt I'm part of a lineup here. In fact, not only do I have I no chance, I'm just here to entertain someone to convince them that they've done the due diligence and they've brought some training organizations in to sort of, so they can say, yeah, we've, we've given this some thought and these guys are the best. Mark, let me unpack this in a million different ways. First of all, yesterday, right, uh, I'm, on a, uh, I'm on a call with a you know, Fortune 700 company in the US, right? And they've decided to hire me to speak at their annual five-day convention and keynote it. It's a ton of money. You know, call it like in the $80,000 range. So at the end of the call, they go, listen, we can't sign the contract until October 3rd because we have to call two speaking agencies. Right? And now my heart flutters a little bit because, you know, $80,000 sounds good to me. You know, um, and, and they go, look, we're not going to hire from them or anything, but we need to fill in the paper. So we got to go through the paces. You're our guy. We're going to do it with you. We're going to sign the contract on October 4th. But we have to go to these agencies and we have to get a submitted proposal and some other speakers. So when we go to the CFO, we say, this is our choice, but we've done our diligence, right? Those four guys, right? They're going to now be put through the paces of what is a bake-off or a rock crusher or a wood chipper. They're going to spend a bunch of time on a deal that they ostensibly can't win. So that is what a lot of us face. And if you can flush that out immediately, Right? But most salespeople are too timid or don't have the process to understand if they're part of a bake-off or a faux bake-off where they actually can't win the account. So that's, that's one reaction uh, to what you said, and we, we have to be able to identify that. And, and that's what Flip the Script, the new book, is really about is, is, is how as a salesperson to have a value system that works to convert – sales, but B, to not get involved in things that you can't win. Most salespeople don't have a strong enough internal value system of what they will and won't allow themselves to do. And I help, uh, you know, a lot with that as well. Uh, so, so the, you know, the other thing is, 
I say things here very specifically, very firmly, and it seems like, and I hear it a lot, I would not go to my client or I could not go to my client and say that. But mark my words, if you go in and you say very firmly, hey guys, I know uh, we have planned to start at 10. It looks like it's cresting through 1008. Uh, we're quite busy this time of year. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get here and get both of us get time on the calendar. And I want to make use of the time we have. All right. A lot of salespeople say, I would never say that. Sounds like bad manners, but it's uh, time is money. And if you don't seem important, people will push you around. It's, it's so true. Well, I have a different frame on it than that. That, that is true. Absolutely. But here's, mm-hmm. here's what I've learned over time. This signals to a buyer something very important. Aha. I'm in the hands of a professional who knows what he's doing. This is how we run our own internal meetings, right? This is, and, and so when you signal time is valuable, I'm your peer, the stakes are high, we're going to make a decision today, right? Either to move forward or separate friendly, but not, not you know, going to do anything together. It signals most importantly, and you can read everything in the sales books of urgency and, you know, Cialdini and Dan Ariely can tell you all the, but I can tell you, I actually go to these meetings at company. Here's what it signals. You're in the hands of a professional. I know what I'm doing. Not going to waste your time. Not going to waste my time. I'm going to propose something that has a clear call to action, clear next steps, and I'm going to give you the autonomy to choose whether we progress to the next logical thing or you just say, hey, Mark, your head is full of dead insects. We would never do that. Uh, and I appreciate you coming in today. You're going to have the autonomy to deal with me directly as a professional in a constrained period of time. And then when you do that, and again, you don't have to have this tone, and I'll give you an example of a different tone in a minute. In my experience of thousands and thousands of training, thousands of people to do this and hundreds and hundreds of meetings, they'll put down their phone, set it aside, close their laptop. Stop communicating with the outside world and listen to you because this is a professional pitch in which they know how to absorb. So, so this is where we st- – now we're – circle back to where we started. It's counterintuitive that you wouldn't frame out a meeting like this. You wouldn't be so direct with a buyer. You wouldn't have such a firm construct. You would be more you know, seeking rapport and nice and asking them lots of questions and exploration. They don't like that. Because it doesn't look like how they do business internally or with other partners. When you look like you're at the same status as them, you're a peer, you do business like them, well, it feels like you're being firm and disciplined. It actually is a strong signal that you're a professional partner that they can work with. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, and oh, so, so I was just you can just as easily say, hey guys, um, really excited to be here. Uh, you know, uh, Bayer has been a company that we've respected, uh, you know, for a long time. We, we haven't contacted you previously because you, you know, we haven't had a product that's a perfect fit for you. But uh, I've carved out, you know, now we have some products that I think will really move the needle here. I've carved out about an hour today. Um, if we really get going, I can spend a little bit more time. But I prepared a presentation; it's 15 minutes long. You know, does anybody need fluids in or out? If not, why don't we get started? I'll show you what we have. Uh, you know, after my presentation, I'll give you guys a little bit of time. You tell me where it fits, where it's not a fit. Uh, you know, we'll see if the dots connect. And uh, if, if there's enough here and you guys see the value the same way I do, we'll, we'll find a way to go forward. If not, you know, um, hell fellow well met and, and we'll keep each other's name in the Rolodex. But 
you know, if there's nothing to keep us apart, why don't we uh, kick off and I'll show you what we're doing. So that's a kind of different tone there. You changed gears. I changed the tone, but it's the same content. Mm, mm. That's it. I, I completely agree. Yeah, uh, that's it. And, yeah, and when people come in and say, I can't talk like that, because don't pay attention to how the cadence and the tone and the, the pentameter of my speech, pay attention to the structure, which is I'm not, if, if you guys want to, if you guys want to um, uh, bring in seven firms, right, and play fetch me another rock, sounds good, <laughs> but, right? Have you heard my fetch me another rock? No, t- t- tell it, tell it, tell the listeners. Go on. <laughs> hey, Mark, I, we, um, I really love the proposal. Uh, it's you know me and my partner here uh, in the sales division really aboard for it. Uh, I've got to pitch it up to HR. You know they have to sign up on it. Would you mind uh, putting in a white paper? Uh, you know with a little bit more detail on the objectives of the training, and I can take it up because that's what HR looks for, right? In other words, uh, I love the blue rock. Can you now get me an orange rock? Okay, yeah, here's a proposal and a bunch of work and white paper. Blah, blah. Oh, great. Hey, Mark, great orange rock. Uh, now we got to get up to CFO. Do you have any green rocks with white polka dots on them? Because that's uh, what we need. It oh, never yeah, ends. Yeah, yeah never, Here, ends. Here's, never ends. Here's a green rock with white. Super, super love that. Hey, um, it's a done deal, right? All we need is two blue rocks with green stripes on them. Okay, here's a blue rock. Really hard to find. Uh, you know, we couldn't get green. We had turquoise. Okay, great. Do you have a red rock with black uh, a zigzags on it and diamonds, right? Is it fetch me another rock? Never ends. And this is how the 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 uh, origination cycle gets very long. This is how the price gets compressed, and it really makes your life miserable as a as a salesperson. And you should not. And there, there's so with frames and pitch anything and the scripts and flip the script. This should not be part of your reality at all. I, and if you can indulge me here for a second, you know. Oh we, yeah, sure. We had a, a potential client come in on Sunday. You know, and our deals are worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars on the face end, and maybe a million and a half on the back end. So you know, on a Sunday, we like to go surfing, and and we push that the afternoon. We met the client here in the office for for two hours. We talked through our product and our service, uh, which is pretty cool, and uh, we went over some details in the agreement, you know, contract. And uh, we wrapped up and, you know, I, I said, look, you should show the agreement to your legal, discuss it internally. Let's get back next week. You know, in, in John, in your mind, how do we get this agreement to move? Forward? That's the best. Like I'm one of the best sales. I've trained 80,000 salespeople from stage. I have pitch master. 5,000 people are in it. A million people have read my book. Mark my words. That's my best close. So, John, uh, how do we get this thing, you know, circled up and, and some ink on it? It's the best close I have. And the guy says to me, oh, I signed it an hour ago. It's over there at the edge of the conference table, right? That's inception. Putting your ideas in the buyer's mind, letting them percolate around with complete autonomy, guiding them with frames forward to where they come up with the idea independently that they want to work with you. And so now today, more often than not, the client has either wired the money signed the contract or committed to us without us ever even knowing that we've gotten them to that point. It's the process of inception, making people feel that your ideas are their ideas is the ultimate goal in selling. And we're doing that and give you a story over and over and over again 
of that happening. And that's one of the ideas from your new book called Flip the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. It's the idea. Just explain to us a little bit more about that just before, I'm conscious of your time, Oren, um, that, that someone feels that they are going to comply with you. They see value in what you're saying and they, they, they comply. They kind of fall into line and they're, they're sold before you even have to sell them. So a guy comes into our office a couple weeks ago. We pitch him on our services. Uh, it's a $30 million deal. There's some upfront, you know, say it's a quarter million dollars, a couple million dollars in the back end. And, you know, typically they got to go to their CFO. They got to go to their board of directors. They got to go to their lawyer. It's a big decision. So anyway, we pitch the guy an hour, 50 minutes, uh, and he leaves. And we're sort of discussing in the conference room what we did well, what we could have done differently. You know, just a basic sales debrief. Hopefully everybody's doing that. We do that as well. Guy goes out to his car. Minute and a half goes by. The door opens back up. The chimes go off. And he comes back into our offices, right? And this is not good because normally it means someone's gone to their car, opened the glove box and got a gun and they're coming back in. Well, you're alive. So that hasn't happened. <laughs> I, it's just, it's just, you know, once they leave, they usually leave. They don't mm. come back in, you know, unless they forgot their iPhone cable. That would be one exception. So the guy comes in and he opens up his briefcase and like, we're looking at each other. We don't know what's going on. And he takes out a checkbook. Truthfully, I haven't seen a checkbook in years because we just get wires right? Takes out his checkbook. He writes a big check, you know, call it north of $25,000 at no agreement. We don't even have something that costs $25,000. And he just hands her the check. He goes, call me on Monday. Uh, this should get us started and let's figure out where we go next. And he turns around, leaves a check on the conference room table and leaves. That's what flip the script is about. Creating the, the desire and putting your ideas in the mind of a buyer such that they exist in his head, start to organize themselves. He feels complete autonomy and it's his idea. He comes to the realization that he wants to work with you and carries that momentum forward. Why is that worth doing? Because the, uh, it's a low stress origination cycle. You get to, if you're not really a sales dog, right? You get to pitch in a way that feels very comfortable to you and your values. That's why sales feels cheesy, right? Because you're outside of your value system. So you get to pitch exactly the way that you're comfortable talking about yourself and your service and and your ideas and your products. Um, And so uh, you retain your status, retain your credibility, retain your values, and the buyer has autonomy. And that feels very friendly and fun and uh, an interesting kind of relationship. And so flip the script is about getting rid of the old sales scripts, which are about trying to get the buyer to yes, uh, and say, yes, say, yes, say, yes, trial close. So what do you think? Is there something to be interested in overcoming objections and having them arrive at the notion that they want to work with you on their own? Uh, mm. and so that's, that's the, the new book, the eight chapters of the process that we go through that time and time and time again ends up with the buyer going, you know what? We should do something together. Let's get started. Don't worry about the paperwork. I'll sign off on anything. I want to work with you guys. Let's roll. That sounds amazing. And I was going to ask you about the uh, the story about Victor and how you got the skeptical Swiss banker to see you as an expert in banking. But I think we would be giving away some wonderful stories from the book. So let's not do that. Let's promise that every chapter in the book mm is a easy reading story about a real world situation where you can see the practical way to raise your status, 
the practical way to convince someone you're an expert, the practical way to make your ideas so simple that the buyer can understand them immediately and how to show the buyer how to work with you and buy from you in a way that you are guiding them to the sale, but the buyer feels he has complete autonomy. So that's what the book will deliver for you. Uh, and I think everyone will enjoy it. If it's anything as good as pitch anything, um, and I'm sure it is, uh, it's going to be mind blowing. So I'm, I'm delighted to say we have the privilege of giving away uh, or rather offering to the right people, three signed copies of your book or awesome. Yeah, that is, uh, the, now the only problem with that is the signature uh, means, you know, I wrote in it, it means the book, you, if when you go to sell it, you have to sell it as used. So it devalues it. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sure people will hate having your signature in the book. <laughs> 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 well, look, um, just, just a final note then, how can people work or apply to work with you? Cause I've come across your website, but I'd love to hear from you. Give us the, the kind of links that uh, would lead someone to the right door to knock on because I mean, that is something would be massive value to learn more about. Here's what I think would be really valuable for people to do is head over to pitch anything and put your email in. We send out content, right, uh, on, on all these subjects that we've talked about today. So we'll ramp you up with a bunch of uh, uh, content. Be very respectful of your email. We don't spam or, you know, uh, do much of anything like that. Uh, and we'll give you content on these subjects and keep you up to date if I'm doing an event in your area. So that is uh, really worth doing. Go over to pitchanything.com. So the next time you're across in, in my part of the world looking for a castle to buy, <laughs> to spend December, <laughs> that'll be a time to kind of look you up. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I really enjoy this, Oren. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Mark. Oren, thanks for being our guest today and for speaking to us early live from LA. My sincere thanks, of course, to you as our listeners for tuning in again this week. The podcast would not be the same today or any day without you and your listenership. We'd love you to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because this helps us to promote the show and, of course, to attract the kinds of guests like Oren, the kinds of people whose training business journey can help you with yours. You can check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a few others. And forgive us, our website is still under development. It's something we hope to rectify very soon. That's www.trainingbusiness.com. So, please give us a couple of more weeks with that. It's going to be worth the wait. Uh, in the meantime, we're on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. So you can check us out and join the conversation on any or all of those platforms. Before we give away, I mentioned to you at the intro or beginning to today's episode, we're giving away three signed copies of Oren's latest book. That's Flip the Script very soon. Uh, we haven't got the details of that insofar as the promotion is not yet live. It will be, though. So we'd love you to stay tuned for more details and keep an eye out for future announcements on our social media channels as well as by the podcast. We have a fresh episode next Thursday. So until then, have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you. 
Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.